Hi everyone, this is Kara Orbell, your host of Going Places. Today, my guest is Will McBride. He is right now in a two-year clinical neuropsychology fellowship at the University of Virginia, and he is also the treasurer for the Society for Black Neuropsychology. He has a ton of information on the brain, on neuropsychology, and I'm very excited to have him on the show. So thanks for being on the show. Of course, of course. I'm very happy to be here, and thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's start kind of with your background. Where did you grow up? How did you get into STEM? Yeah. So um, I was kind of looking over that question and kind of reflecting on my life. Um, I grew up in Kentucky. Um, I was an army brat, um, but I once got settled in Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, And I got to STEM. I originally wanted to be a medical doctor. Um, and my grandmother, who was a big influence in my life, she, uh, one day I had a career day or a dress up day for career day and I, she had a stethoscope for some reason. So I wore that. And so I was like, oh, I want to be a doctor. And so that kind of stuck with me. And then, uh, as life went on, you know, I started to get more involved in figuring out how to become a doctor. So taking the, you know, physics classes and chemistry classes and things like that um, in high school. Um, And then I got to college um, and then I decided I didn't want to do medical doctors anymore. So I had to kind of shift gears and think about, okay, like, what am I going to do? What else am I good at? Um, I realized that I really enjoy uh, figuring out why people do the things that they do, why they behave the way that they do. Um, and it was just always intriguing. And I was always drawn to like that person that people talk to about their issues. And I always tried to come from an empathetic lens. And so I said, why not be a psychologist? And so I changed gears, changed my major, took a bunch of classes to uh, get that degree. And there's a couple of other steps along the way, but that's kind of how I got into STEM was just, I just had this interest in being a medical doctor and knew that I needed to do these things to do it. Um, and I just always enjoyed science as well. It was just always something that was really cool. I like sci-fi. I liked a lot of things that you, you have to know science in order to kind of be a, a little nerdy about them. So that's great. Was that a big shift in college? Like, did you kind of spook your family when you said that you were shifting from that? <sighs> yes, they were spooked. I think they were more spooked because they just knew that I had been saying that I was going to do this for so long and you know i'm very much of a person that if i say i'm gonna set out to do something i'm gonna do it and so you know i was the first person in my family to really go straight through um in my immediate family to go straight through the college and have these goals to pursue higher learning and so you know i got to a certain point where they really couldn't help me along the way to kind of figure out like how to get to where i want to get and so um they were just kind of spooked, but they were just like, hey, whatever you do that makes you happy, just keep doing that. And um, and that's what I did. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, I think that's so important. And so when you were kind of going through this, did you, how did you know that you wanted, like you said you were very empathetic, but how did you have like a, like the light bulb switch on or was it just like gradual, like, oh, maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I want to go to this. Like, did you wake up one day? How did that happen? Um, that's a very good question. So I think it was a couple of things. I think, so originally when I got into college, I 
messed around and I did not take it as seriously as I should have. Um, me and my roommate, he had an Xbox and I had a PS3. So <laughs> he, and he had a big screen TV. So like we would just play video games all day, every day. And it just was not like, I just unprepared college student. Um, and so I saw that like, hey, like I need to get my, my, my stuff together. Um, and so then, you know, I started to take more classes and I'm just like, you know, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not as enthused as I once was about, you know, being a medical doctor. I had shadowed, I had volunteered, I had been in summer programs for, you know, students applying to medical school and things like that. And it just like, it just didn't speak to me anymore. And so the end of my sophomore year, I thought long and hard about what I wanted my career path to do to be. And I said, you know what, I think I might need to change. And it was, it was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made. Um, I had a lot of regrets about it. Um, I definitely felt like I doubted myself and, you know, like that self-doubt, like, oh, you gay, you stopped because you felt like you couldn't do it. And I'm so thankful that I've, I am where I am now. Um, I think that's one of the hardest things people have trouble with is kind of listening to the inner voice um, and maybe taking a chance on themselves, you know? Um, And I would just suggest that like any, everybody just kind of, you have to be passionate about it. You have to have a love for it. And if that's not there, you know, you're setting yourself up for failure somewhere along the way, I feel like. Definitely. Yeah. I think, I think that's so powerful too, that you've had those doubts because that's something no one really talks about. Like they're usually like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I did this big gradual, like crazy switch (laughs) from this to this. And I had no regrets. I never looked back, but I think that's not the case in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think that's the exception. And I, you know, I, I definitely had like thoughts like, Oh man, am I, am I making the best decision for myself? Because I mean, I was just like, you know, with psychology, like I didn't know anything about a PhD and I just happened to come upon a, a mentor who took me under his wing at the time. And he invested in me in that moment. And, you know, we talked and he gave me some guidance and, yeah. you know, that, that set me up to where I am now. So, you know, just take a chance on yourself sometimes, you know, definitely. Yeah. yeah, that's really smart. So let's talk about that because I'm a business major and I don't know, my mm-hmm. roommate's a STEM major. She's pre-med. She's crazy doing everything nuts. <laughs> but what is like professional development like for psychology? Like, do you go step by step? How does it really work? Um, in terms of becoming a psychologist is what you mean? Yeah. Or your, your journey. Yeah. So um, obviously you need a bachelor's. It's really interesting when people you know, I meet people now that are like, oh, yeah, I want to be a psychologist out of high school. And I'm like, I knew nothing. About, I knew I did not know what a psychologist was or what they truly did. Um, so you got to get a bachelor's. I mean, you do. You definitely have to have your STEM and sciences. You know, if anybody tells you, oh, well, psychology, you know, you're not really knowing, needing to know chemistry and stuff like that. No, that's not true. Um, I have to be involved in knowing the types of medications my my patients are on. I have to know about their medical issues, how that impacts their mood, depression. There's so much research that looks into how um, I had a patient today who had something called chronic fatigue syndrome. And that's a medical condition and it gives people depression and chronic pain and things like that. So I had to, um, you have to know these things. These are medical conditions. So 
Um, you know, I hope most people don't think that, oh, I'll go into psychology, you know, I'll do well. It doesn't have anything to do with like the hard sciences or anything like that. It definitely does. Um, so you got to know, you got definitely have to be brushed up on your, you know, your sciences, your biology, some of your chemistry, things like that, anatomy. Um, and I think, um, you know, I did that. Um, you have to take a test called the GRE, the graduate uh requirement exam i forget the name of it or the the what the acronym stands for but the gre yeah. um and you have to get like a, a decent score um ideally you want to get involved in some research in undergrad find somebody who's doing research and you know run participants or be in their lab um, something to get on your cv yeah. um you know you want to do those things you go to graduate school so you could go a couple of ways you could go um, either through first a master's program, um, like a standalone master's program or a master's program that has a PhD component to it, mm -hmm. or you could just go straight to a PhD program. Um, and so there's so many different kinds of psychology PhD programs. Um, but for me, I'm a clinical psychologist. Um, I have my PhD in clinical psychology. Um, and that took a lot of years, uh, you want to know how many years? Is, yeah, is I want to know everything. All right, all right. Um, typically, most PhD programs, I would say four to six years. Wow. Um, yeah, so it depends on your goals. So if you want to be a researcher, you may take a little bit longer because you want to build up that research acumen. Um, but if you're interested in like clinical practice, working at a veteran's hospital or uh, um, academic medical center, it might be a little shorter, so maybe four to five, four years of coursework at least, and then a fifth year of internship, okay, and then another year, at least another year of fellowship, okay. So um, yeah, so let me let me break it down. <laughs> it's a lot. That's are you, crazy. Are you turned off? Are you turned off? <laughs> oh, I've been turned off. I am out. I came to college as a bio major, and I think yeah. I switched. I switched to environmental science and then I was like, nope, business is for me. Yeah. But I respect and admire anyone who is in a STEM field because it is hard. Like, yeah. I can't imagine. So, it's, wow. Yeah, it's, it's challenging. <laughs> you know, not to say that yeah. other fields aren't challenging, but it is, it is challenging to, um, I don't know, to think outside of the box a lot of times yeah. um, and incorporate a lot of different information. Um, but but yeah, it's it's um it's been a, a tough path. Uh, so my path, I went to a master's program, a terminal master's program, um, which was just basically I got I got a master's in clinical psychology. Um, and in some states, you can you know do therapy with that. Um, but I knew I didn't want to stop there because I didn't want to necessarily limit myself. Um, with a PhD, you can do more, you can teach, you can train, you can consult. Um, I wanted that freedom. I think that's another thing with the yeah. psychology PhD is that um, you have a lot of freedom to kind of make your own path. Um, and I look forward to that. I like the, the opportunity that this degree gives me. Yeah. yeah. So where do you see your path? Like what, what's your next goal? Oh man, that is a that is a very good question. So next goal is to after I'm done with this fellowship, find a job, yeah. um, start paying Uncle Sam back some of these loans. <laughs> um, ideally, I want to be in like an academic medical center. I want to be seeing patients with dementia, uh, Alzheimer's disease. I want to be doing clinical work. Um, 
And then also I want to do some therapy as well. So it would be probably like 80% clinical work and like seeing patients for, with dementia and mm-hmm. then maybe like 10% seeing patients and then maybe another 10% doing like forensic work or consulting. Um, but, you know, I could also see like teaching as well on the side. Um, I want to, I want to do a lot of different things. You know, I, uh, I don't want to do one thing every day in and a day in and day out. I want a little bit of variety in my, my week. Interesting. You want, yeah. you want to spice up your life. You don't want I to do. stick to one thing. That's cool. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, yeah, I don't necessarily want to be one of the guys who's like work until he's 70 or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I do want to do a lot of different things so that it keeps me sharp, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. I think a lot of people, you're millennial, but I'm yeah. Gen Z. So I think a lot of people in yeah. our generations are like kind of debating that and kind of going toward that career they don't want to have the typical nine to five yeah it's kind of cool it's that's really cool about psychology because it seems like you can have that that's absolutely absolutely um i mean there's so many different things that and psychology is involved in so many different things you know i mean uh, the, the biggest one is advertising you know we help to create some of those thought processes behind you know advertising you know putting things in your face is quickly as you can, you know, and big letters and and different things, you know, different concepts that um, psychology is involved in so much. So, um, you know, you never want to overlook it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Let's talk about what you do now at University of Virginia. You work with dementia and Alzheimer's patients, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, so um, what I do is um, I'm in a fellowship for clinical neuropsychology. So you have to do a two-year fellowship to become a neuropsychologist. Um, And what neuropsychologists are, basically they're clinical psychologists first and foremost, but then they specialize in evaluating people who have neurological issues. And so that's a really broad kind of category. The neurological issues could be, like, like you said, dementia, Alzheimer's disease, we see that usually in our older patients who are like 50 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, we also see patients with tumors, with strokes. Uh, HIV actually has cognitive impairments that come along with it. So we evaluate those patients. Um, in the past few weeks, I've seen some patients with different types of tumors and cancers. And we know that you know radiation and different types of chemotherapy can impact cognitive functioning. Um, there's something called chemo brain that happens after people have Uh, certain types of uh, treatments for cancer. Um, We also see people with head injuries. So you think about football players, you know, with with concussions being a big thing, Um, contact sports, we see patients for that. We know that there's cognitive issues there. Um, We also see all the way down, I don't personally, but we have, we see children and adolescents. So kids with like developmental disorders, cerebral palsy, um, you know, epilepsy, things like that in children. Mm -hmm. So you know, my day is I'll get a patient in, um, you know, either their family doctor or somebody referred them and had some concerns about their memory. We talk about their memory. I ask them very, very specific questions about how their memory is impacting them day to day. Um, you know, so, you know, for you as a college student, you know, one of the questions I may ask for you if, if you were coming in to see me is like, well, you know, do you have trouble organizing your schedule for your, your classes or, you know, keeping up with notes and things like that? Is it getting worse? Um, yeah. Those types of things. So how your memory impacts you day to day? I ask those questions. 
then we test them. We give them some tests that we've developed that uh, look at memory and focus and attention and language abilities. All these areas kind of localized to different parts of the brain. And we compare them to other people their age with their level of education, okay? So it would be different if like, I could pair, how old are you again? I'm 20. 20. But I've so had four concussions. That's actually okay. how we met. Cause yes, I, that is. I, that the brain is a huge, just fascinating thing for me. And I definitely am more aware of it after having them because mm -hmm. I don't want to have dementia and Alzheimer's. So yeah. I came up to you and I was like, teach me yeah, everything we, you know. I want yeah, to we were talking about that. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that now. Um, so, so we wouldn't compare you to, you know, or we wouldn't compare, you know, a 50 year old patient to you mm -hmm. in your age, because we know that as we get older, our memory changes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're comparing them to people who are supposed to be in that same range of functioning. And if they are having more difficulties that may say, okay, something else is something's going on something's wrong so you know if let's say for you instance you know we talked about your concussions and we said okay if we compared you to other 20 year olds and you're struggling in one of these areas we may say okay is it just you know she just naturally is has a weakness in this or is it something related to those concussions um and we we write up reports it's a lot of report writing as well um so if you don't like writing you don't do this job. <laughs> you, have a lot of do a, you have to do a lot of stuff for psychology. That's yes. crazy. Yes. If you do not like <laughs> writing, do not do this. Um, because, or yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. So, so that's what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I see older adults. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to, to get to know the patients. You see a lot of different people. Um, and you get to know their personalities and the things that they uh, go through. I've had to tell a lot of people you can't drive anymore or you shouldn't drive anymore because, you know, some older adults really don't want to give that up. I think we talked about that as well. Some, some people don't want to give up their driving. Um, I don't so think I, we did. We talked a lot. We had yeah. a really deep conversation. When we yeah. 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 No, we did. We did. Okay. So yeah, I have to tell people all the time, like, Hey, you might not want to drive anymore. Wow. That's yeah. tough. Yeah. Yeah. They must get mad at you. Like, do they ever Ooh. lash out? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I get yelled at. I get, I haven't been cursed out yet. I haven't. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you haven't lived until you had a 75 or 80 year old lady curse you out because you want to take away her keys. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, lady, like I'm trying to protect you. I don't want you yeah. to get in an accident Definitely. or yeah. So, so that's, yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. I think that's so cool. Why did you pick that kind of demographic, that age? Um, I like old people. I realize that. Um, I was raised by my grandparents, so I just kind of have an affinity for older people. Yeah. I think they're cute. I think they're so <laughs> My roommate is the same way. <laughs> yeah, no, they're so funny. And like when the you get the little petite old ladies and they're just like, you know, I, and they just talk in a little sweet voice. And I love the sassy old ladies too. They are fun to be around. Um, and they just have all this wit and, it, you know, it's just like, yeah. I, I think sometimes we, uh, we think of old people as just like, oh, they're just old and, you know, just sit over there. But it's like, no, nah, they have personality. They have, you know, so much wit about them and stuff. Um, so I, I just, I like this group. Yeah. What's yeah. the best wisdom, like best, I don't know, piece of advice you've ever gotten from an older person that you've worked with? Oh, man. Um, I would probably say don't take myself too seriously and don't take everything that's going around too seriously. 
um, you know, my um, thinking about the COVID pandemic, um, you know, I have a grandmother, who, like I said, who I'm very close with. And um, I asked her early on when the pandemic was starting, like, have you ever experienced anything like this before? Like, I, I, I don't, I have no reference to this, you know? Um, of course, you know, I've lived through 9-11, you know, that, that was a big thing. I was, I can remember where I was when that happened. I was in high school, middle school. Um, but, you know, she's like, oh yeah, I've been through this before. And I was like, really, what? And she's like, she said polio. And I'm like, oh wow, like that's so far away from me you know, to think about like, wow, this, there was another pandemic type thing and she lived through, you know, a lot of different things. So it's like, okay, like if she can get through this, if she can make a way out of this, I know I can get through this, you know? Um, Yeah. So, you know, just not to catastrophize all the time, Mm -hmm. having that wisdom puts things in perspective. Definitely. Yeah. Really good advice. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So um, let's talk about kind of, so you're black. Mm-hmm. What is it like being black in neuropsychology? Are you, what is it like being a minority in Ooh. your field? Wow. Um, that's a tough question. So um, I won't say that it's necessarily hard, but it is challenging. Um, you know, I, I've had very, I can count on the hand, my hand, all the experiences where I felt like there was some kind of issue because of race, um, whether it had been with a supervisor or a professor. Um, but, you know, yeah, but, you know, how many other people who aren't Black have had those kinds of experiences? So um, I might have more than most people can speak to. Um, there, I don't know the numbers specifically, but I don't see a lot of uh, Black male psychologists period. You know, mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of black male neuropsychologists either. Um, so it's it's interesting when I'm at conferences and things and I kind of stick out. And it's, it's it really sucks really bad because especially with names, people will remember my name and partly because it's like, oh, that's the only black neuropsychologist, yeah. you know, black male that we see. But I don't remember everybody else's name because I'm like, I, you know, I see like everybody else just kind of blends in. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a reverse thing. But for me, I look at it as like, I'm, I'm right where I should be um, because I know how important psychology and mental health is for myself and yeah. how much I know it's important for uh, black people that, that especially, you know, I try to t- talk to my family about the importance of mental health treatment. Um, mental health treatment has been stigmatized in the black community. Um, you know, I don't know the numbers, but, um, we don't actively seek out mental health treatment. Um, you know, a lot of the older people in my life, they say, well, I'm not crazy. And that's the kind of thing that I get. Yeah. You know, but I'm like, you don't have to be crazy to go see a therapist or you don't have to be crazy to talk about your issues. And so, um, I want to change that. Um, so, so I'm happy to be here. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm in a space where I can really make some change. Um, so I don't look at it as a negative all the time, but it, it is tough. Um, mm-hmm. because I mean, there are times where, you know, I don't feel as comfortable or, um, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Is that why, so you were one of the founders of the society for black neuropsychology. Is mm-hmm. that kind of why you founded it? Do you want to 
increase the diversity? I mean, yeah, let's talk about yeah. it. Yeah, so um, the Society for Black Neuropsychology, SBN, is a uh, organization that was kind of a brainchild of a group of people. Um, a colleague of mine who is no longer actually in uh, neuropsychology, um, I met him at a conference, um, another black guy, um, and he said, well, where are all the black neuropsychology trainees and students and neuropsychologists? And you know, I was like, that's a good question. Where are they all? And so... <laughs> You know, he kind of brought a group of people together and we just started planning and creating. It was about two years in the making um, before we rolled it out this past year. Um, and we're still growing it. Um, it's about four of us right now who are on the executive committee. Um, but we did create it to help, excuse me, um, to help uh, increase the, um, I guess the numbers the in terms of, the number of trainees, number of black neuropsychologists to educate um, and to also um, create a space to um, kind of be a, a hub for research that is going to promote, you know, neuropsychology in African uh, populations, people of African descent, um, and to just kind of promote neuropsychology in the black communities. Um, you know, talk about dementia and health yeah. things. Um, one of the things I'll share with you is that uh, a lot of the vascular stuff, so diabetes, hypertension, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all those things impact uh, African-Americans at a very, very high rate compared to Caucasian individuals. And a lot of those things lead to dementias, uh, different types of dementias. So, um, yeah it all connects. So it goes back to that kind of like that STEM, that medical model. It's like this all impacts uh, your body. Um, you, you want your brain to be healthy as possible um, so that you can, you know, be able to enjoy yourself in, in later life. So that's our goal. We just want to increase the awareness of um, neuropsychology in black communities. That's great. Yeah, that's really cool. I know you sent me that and I was like, that's Really interesting. Are you trying to get more students to consider neuropsychology? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just in terms of, so our wait list for our clinic is, um, is, is really long. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a, a common or around the, the nation. Mm -hmm. um, and while it helps in terms of like, hey, we're the go-to people, you know, we don't want patients to, to wait four or five, six months for an evaluation if they're having cognitive issues at this moment. Um, yeah. We want them to be able to get the help and to get, you know, is it dementia? Is it something else? We want these patients to be able to be seen. And um, if we have more numbers, we can meet that need um, without, I think, you know, diminishing the quality of care. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so, so I think that, you know, we just want to do that and then just also make it more uh, available in Black communities as well. Um, you know, just increasing that what we call health literacy, so mm -hmm. to speak. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely not, I don't know, that threw me out of my comfort zone because I didn't want to ask directly, but I kind of just <laughs> threw it out there. But yeah. that's oh, a absolutely. great response. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, I, yeah, no, no, I, I appreciate you asking just, just straight up question. You know, it's okay. just like, hey, this is like, it sounds like a, there isn't, I mean, there isn't a lot of that there and you're filling a need and that's what we're trying to do. That's really, yeah. I definitely was curious about that because I know like, especially with even my grandparents, mental health is not addressed at all. So mm -hmm. 
I mean, I was definitely very curious about like the black community and how mental health is addressed Mm -hmm. and what you said about diabetes relating to dementia is something I never even considered before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. There's there's so much overlap in terms of like your physical health impacting your brain health. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die of something. And, you know, that's that's fine and dandy. And I'm like, you know, (laughs) you have the right to, to choose that path. Um, but don't you want your brain to be healthy at the end? You know, don't you want to be able to kind of, you know, have your wits about you? And so um, I know I do, you know, I don't want to um, be so impaired where I don't know what the day is or anything like that. So um, I'm trying to take better care of myself, you know, um, even now um, and making sure that like I'm eating healthier and I'm drinking enough water and I'm not drinking Sprite or, you know, sodas every every day um so yeah what is the secret how like what's the big tips to have a healthy brain Uh, honestly the things that they tell you to do to just stay healthy in general so the things that we know um well there's a number of different kind of diets out there but i always kind of refer to uh mediterranean style diet so something with like lean meats so chicken fish um uh, no less red meat, mm-hmm. um, dark leafy green vegetables, um, you know, um, raspberries, blueberries, uh, dark fruits, any with rich in antioxidants, dark chocolate, um, omega three fatty acids, those types of things. Those are the things that are going to be healthy in terms of the diet. Um, the things that are going to be helpful in terms of, you know, overall exercise. So aerobic exercise of like 30 minutes a day, um, at least, um, that's definitely going to be helpful. So that's going to get the blood, oxygenated blood going to the brain. That's going to be really helpful. Uh, good sleep, actually. So make sure you're getting your good sleep and not pulling all-nighters and stuff like that. So um, that's that's very important. Um, and then what else? Uh, staying socially engaged using your brain like using it especially for my older folks you know if you don't use it you lose it um so just kind of trying to stay as cognitively engaged as you can um so those are the big things and just managing all your health you know if you got diabetes that's okay you know you can still live to a very very ripe old age just make sure you're taking care of your body that's really good yeah that's a good mindset like even if you have something that's maybe shortening your lifespan I love how you said that you were like, well, let's try to work around it. Let's try to make yourself healthy. Even mm-hmm. if you have this disease, mm-hmm. that's really good. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's strange because I think, you know, we, we don't think about, or not to say we don't, but I think it is less emphasis. There's more emphasis on let's work, let's make money when we're younger. And then you start to worry about all the health things and like, Oh, I'm retired now. Now I can start taking care of my health better. And it's like, you've probably already done enough damage to yourself at this point. So let's start earlier so that when you get older, you can still do these things, but also not have feel like you have to rush and make sure that it is getting done. Yeah. Yeah. So through your, how many years have you been in school, including <laughs> high school, college, oh, after college, PhD? Oh, as you can see, you know, I'm sure your audience is going to be able to see this, but my, my reaction is just, uh, <laughs> you, you just traumatized me. You know? 
Sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. Um, so, well, I'll just start with college. So, obviously, you know, with high school, you have 12 yeah. years. Um, oh, God. Undergrad, four years. Uh-huh. Uh, two years of a master's program. Yeah. Uh, five years of a PhD program with internship. <laughs> Another year of fellowship. And now two years of fellowship again. So, technically, I, I was done with my PhD in 2018 but i started to do these training positions uh-huh. um so like 15 years yeah so a total of like 25 24 25 years of wow. straight school wow okay no so breaks. when you're doing this rigorous school how kind of and you're learning like all this stuff about keeping the brain healthy like getting mm-hmm. yourself but like wasn't that kind of like a juxtaposition between your schoolwork <laughs> and what you were learning. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely try to enjoy my graduate experience as much as I could. Um, and yeah, I definitely had some all nighters and, uh, <laughs> you know, did not eat the way that I probably should as a, you know, yeah. struggling graduate student. I, you know, we didn't make, I don't have, didn't have money then, yeah. you, know, was, you know, I'm just a broke, I'm still a broke college student. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but, but I, I think I, you know, you just got to try to find ways. I think finding your uh, hobbies and finding things that um, bring you joy. Um, of course, video games for me, but, you know, also <laughs> uh records and you know i had a lot of friends and so i was able to kind of do a lot of different things i I was able to travel i got to travel i got to go and do new things um i have a lot of i was very happy about meeting the people i did because i have friends now all over the united states um so you know i've always got a place to go awesome where did you travel um let's see i went to new york for the first time in grad school which was really weird and you know i had never been to new york um I traveled, like I went to like took trips to Miami. Um, I went to Spain through grad school because of a conference. I went to Barcelona and and Toulouse, France. Yeah, and Toulouse, France. So I presented at a conference in in overseas, which was a really cool experience. Um, Let's see, Uh, I went skydiving during my time in grad school. Um, I took my uh, girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, we went Scuba, uh, not scuba diving, uh, skydiving, and she hated it, but I had the best time of my life. So, you know, I, I did a lot. Like, it's it's not, you know, it wasn't just like hunker down in a research lab or anything like that. Like, you you can have a life. You know, people <laughs> think like, no, you can't have a life. No, you can. Hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I don't know. I was curious about that too because I don't, I think after this, I have two years and then I'm in the business world, maybe. But. Yeah. It's so different. It's such a different world for you guys. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 very. You know, I hear friends like, "Oh, yeah, you know, school," and it's like, "Nah, man, you don't you don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you have no idea." Um, I you know, if I could go back, I might do something different. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, just to say that I I could. Um, I enjoy what I do, but I would love to try something different. Come, I mean, who wouldn't want to come out of grad? I mean, uh, undergrad and just start working and like you're yeah. making money and stuff and you're living your life and mm-hmm. um, you just get to do different things. But I think for me, this like now that I'm about to be done, I can kind of like write my own ticket. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm free 
Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm only 31, so I still have a large part of my life to just kind of like explore and do the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. And your wife is expecting, isn't she? She is expecting. Yes. So Are you to, excited? I'm very excited. We don't know what we're having. So I'm mm-hmm. going to be surprised. I only have like two options. So it's not like, yeah, you know, it's like 15 <laughs> yeah. different things to choose from, but um, it is like exciting nonetheless. So yeah. we're about two weeks away. That's awesome. That's yeah. a big, big new step. I mean, yeah. that's crazy. It's like a new chapter it's opening up right now. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, it's exciting. Maybe we'll have to do a part two of this yeah. podcast. And talk about, <laughs> talk about sleep. Imagine. Yeah, talk about sleep deprivation. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny because you talk about like all this brain health, but you were a student forever. Now you're about to be a dad. Like. Yeah, my brain is not gonna like. My brain is like you're doing all the things wrong for for, you know. That's awesome though. That's yeah. really cool. It's cool Thank that you. you have a good balance too. And I feel like I don't know. That's a common misconception, like that you can't have it all but it seems like you had it all. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I can even speak for some of my friends and stuff like, you know, I my roommates, one of my roommates, um he 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 just got into rock climbing when we were in grad school and he got really good at it, you know, and like it was just it was his thing and he liked to stay outdoors and you know, he found his kind of niche <laughs> and pursued it and I mean, he was pretty adjusted. Um not everybody's like that, but I think, you know, it's, it's a time to explore. You, you kind of have to because you can get burnt out really easy um, from grad school. I mean, it, you, it's a monot, it's very monotonous in a, in a lot of cases. It's, it's a grind. There's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through um, and it's not fun. Um, you know, I do not seeing like, oh man, I'm so excited to be in graduate school. No, no. Huh. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm excited about what I'm going to achieve with this degree, but, you know, having to write this 20 page paper. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, right now it seems like STEM majors have so much memorization. Like there's no, yeah. it's just yeah. like lecture, 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 take the test, lecture. Memorize this, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy to me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I can imagine it's probably different from the business world too. Right. Or is there, is there a lot of memorization? In oh God, it no, I'm taking like entrepreneurship, which I love. I love like the fun classes, but mm-hmm. like, it's, it's crazy because I've kind of missed like calculus or like mm-hmm. tough course. Like Eng- I haven't had to read a book in like two years. <laughs> I miss reading books and yeah. doing all that stuff, which I love business. I think it's really fun, but I, yeah. there is a point where I, I miss that part of using my brain. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. I will say this about grad school. You get a lot of like group discussions and group uh, activities where, and that is a very cool experience to hear other people's views on different things. And um, so I, I do, I do know what you mean. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How, uh, how do you connect with your patients? Because you're kind of talking about difficult like you're talking about their brain health and you're talking about to people who necessarily have problems with their brain health. So mm-hmm. how do you kind of connect with them and gain that trust? That's a very good question. So I think that's also one of the things that kind of led me to psychology is that I have this kind of ability to kind of find commonality with just about anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, even people who may have different views on black people, you know, I've had, yeah therapy with p- 
people who you know are not fans of African Americans or other people of different race or religion religious beliefs, and so you have to kind of look past that and find okay what's going to how am I going to connect with this person? How am I going to find commonality? Because we all have something in common with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't just live in this vacuum. Um, so I think for me, I just always try to see the individual as a person and just try to connect with their humanity. Um, when it comes to talking about the actual issues, I think about if it was my mom or dad or grandparent that was getting this information, I would want the doctor to be as you know, honest, um, not in a blunt way where it's demeaning to the patient, but just honest and direct with the information um, and just you know, giving time to let the patients reflect. So for instance, if I do give bad feedback that you know, I think it's dementia, I think it's something going on, mm-hmm. um, I try to give them time to take in the information that I'm giving them. I don't just say, hey, here's your, you have dementia, good luck. You know, there's, it's not just a, um, you know, there, there's, there's time to, let's discuss this, this is your time. I wanna be here to support you. Um, you know, this is a tough thing, pill to swallow, mm-hmm. but there is life continues on and there are ways to uh, make that a good thing. And so I just try to, um, and that just kind of comes from seeing supervisors do it. I've had a lot of good supervisors who have taught me how to, um, you know, really connect and really just be as honest as you can be. It's it's uncomfortable for us. You know, it's like, it's like talking about um, maybe suicide with a patient who's committed suicide or tried to. And it's like, you know, you're the doctor, you have to be the one to ask the hard questions that may be uncomfortable. If you don't ask these hard questions, how are you going to know how to treat this person? Um, so, so it's very important. You have to fight again. It's it's definitely something that, as just people in general, we shy away from those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as a psychologist, I've been trained to say, no, I have to talk about this. We're going to talk about this tough issue. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I think you have just a level of empathy, and you also have a little level of assertiveness mm-hmm. it's a good balance i think well thank you i appreciate that yeah, yeah of course <laughs> i think it's an art honestly like mm-hmm. in, i don't know if you know anything about wisconsin but we are not assertive people and really? so, <laughs> yeah it's kind of a culture thing and so it's been a real challenge for me like especially going into the business world to learn how to be assertive and how to voice like when someone pronounces my name wrong because my name is kara but people say kara so i have to like learn Mm -hmm. how to like insert myself into awkward situations. So I Mm -hmm. have, I'm so just like floored that you have, I don't know, the ability. It's like a superpower, honestly, that you can (laughs) have those conversations. Yeah. 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 Well, I appreciate that. That is a good superpower to have. So just be like, Hey, I'm going to be assertive about this. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's really cool. So how has it been with COVID? Have you been over zoom? Like, has it been more difficult to connect with patients? Um, it has been. I think it's, you know, initially when the COVID first happened, we um, took a break um, from patients and we, um, um, you know, we okay, um, took a break from patients to kind of get the clinic together and um, 
then we started talking to patients over the phone. So we started doing interviews over the phone. Um, and then we finally started bringing them back in. And so now it has thrown a, uh, thrown our kind of process off because a lot of our process is one-on-one -on -one with a patient. And so we're spending multiple hours with a patient in a room. And so we're getting a lot of exposure to patients and we try to minimize it as much as possible. But um, I think we do a good job of kind of making sure that we wipe down things and follow the precautions. Um, I actually feel safe in the hospital. I don't feel too worried. Um, you know, where I work is an outpatient clinic. So I'm not in like an inpatient clinic where, you know, there's a wing of people that might have COVID and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I feel like we're doing a good job of adjusting. Um, I have to be careful because, you know, I have a pregnant wife. So I have to be very mindful of, you know, washing my hands and making sure I'm not, you know, exposing myself in a way that's going to be dangerous to me or, the, or her. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I won't keep you. <laughs> it has been a while. So yeah. I have one final question. Yes. Um, I ask everyone this, and I think I asked you this before, but if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you not go? Where would I not go? Huh? Okay. <laughs> that's a good question. I don't think there's a place that I... Oh, man, that's a tough one. I want to say, like, Russia, only because, like, I hear the tundra is really, really just uncomfortable. So I just, I would not want to, like, be in the tundra and, like, it just doesn't sound appealing to me. Like, I, I'm, like, if I'm going to go somewhere, I want to go to, like, wetlands or rainforest or something like that don't give me like a tundra. Yeah, I'll take a mountains. I'll take mountains and all of that kind of stuff, but um, not like frosted ground that's like plains and stuff like that. No, that's not, that's not really fun for me. Um, that's a common so I, answer. I get yeah. that. <laughs> really? yeah. yeah. Yep, the cold. Yeah, the cold, no. And, and, I, and I like certain types of cold. Like I'll go to like a mountain, like, yeah, I wanna go see snow leopards. Like I'll go climb a mountain to go see Ooh. snow leopards, you know, but I don't wanna like be on the plains where it's <laughs> like tundra and, and um, you know, just like nothing, you can't see anything for miles or something like that. Yeah, that's basically Illinois. Yeah, ah, yes. Yeah. In the yeah. winter, <laughs> so yeah. Also, also I would say, add to, to another one, Australia. Um, you see all those memes with all the big animals and the big spiders and things and I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't need that. You know? <laughs> I want to go to Australia, but I'm like, yeah. if that's going to be the case, I don't, I don't want to go. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You provided so much information and I think yeah. this is so helpful. I, I learned so much just for psychology and this could help so many psychology majors, neuropsychology. So you're doing yeah. a great job in your field. I'm so just Lord by what you do and how you connect with your patients. Well, thank you. I'm so impressed with you too. This is really cool. Um, I've never been interviewed before. Oh, no, I take that back. Like this before. <laughs> I've never been interviewed like this before. Um, so this was a really cool experience and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to kind of share my story. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I love doing this. I think it's really fun and I'm trying to gather as many perspectives as possible. And mm -hmm. after meeting you, I knew you'd have a good, a lot of things to say in a good voice. So, so, so what is the goal? Like what, what is ultimately uh, the path for your interviews and things like that? I don't really know. I mean, I love what I'm doing now. I recently got an internship with young and young and profiting, which is mm -hmm. a pretty big podcast. So I'm kind of 
exploring career paths with that. Maybe I'll mm -hmm. do long term with that. But I'm also very interested in the business world. So maybe I'll yeah. go into insurance or the business world. So yeah. it's kind of up in the air, but I kind of like it. It's like you when you were my age, you're kind of exploring it, figuring it out. And, yeah. yeah. Take, take your time. Um, don't take yourself too seriously all the time. You know, take yourself seriously sometimes. But then, yeah. you know what? Like, you know, just just give yourself time to uh, grow. Um, I guess the thing I would say, and maybe say to your audience as well, is that um, how I got here, uh, okay, uh, how I got here in neuropsychology was, um, you know, everybody's path is different. And I don't think there's one direct, like, absolute way you have to go. So if you want to get somewhere with, with what you want to do, there is a way to do it and just kind of keep setting out, keep trying. Um, and it may seem like, man, why am I doing this? Why am I writing this paper? Why am I doing this internship? But I think it always it pays off in the end. Um, so, so just don't forget that. That's really good advice. Thank yeah. you so much. Well, yeah, thank of course. You for our show. Yeah. Yeah.